This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. I'm Joanne, I'm an Addictive Eater. Hi, On the way here, I was thinking, oh my gosh, oh, it's something different that I can share because this is my thinking. People get so bored with hearing my story again, you know. And um, I thought, actually, I never get sick of hearing people's stories. For all the time that I've been coming, I still love and never, ever feel bored or think, oh, my God, here we go again. You know, like I've never been anywhere else where I have heard something repetitive that I've thought, oh, my gosh, why are they talking about that again? And I come to these meetings, you know, day after day, year after year, and I still love listening to the sharing. So I do not know what is going to come out of my mouth. Um, I am tired and that's okay. Um, so I read, I was reading a little bit of a story in the back of the big book. I can't even remember what, what story it was, but there was one line that caught me and it said, um, I was brought back to life and I, it just it struck me because that is exactly what I felt when I came here, even before I stopped eating, um, I felt like I had been brought back to life, that something in my life was going to get better and that it wasn't going to be... Um, you know, a, a life like waking up every single morning, you know, just with so much anger, so much um, dismay and guilt and shame and self-hatred and loneliness and all of those things that are about self. And I thought I was going to be like that for the rest of my life. My friend gave me a book, and there was another bit that I read earlier. Something about um, making sure that the people that you meet, that within their soul, after meeting you, you have brought a lot more to their life. You know, um, that they remember you as somebody that is you know positive and loving and giving and that no matter how much fear or struggle daily struggles you have that you attack the fear that's what it was called attack the fear and you leave them better off for meeting you and I remember and I am pretty sure that when I was in this disease and waking up every morning and going through my day feeling like that and not knowing how on earth to get out of feeling and living like that, that there wouldn't have been people that I inspired or that I that thought, um, you know, that I brought things to their life, you know, that they were happy to have me... A, 
for me to be around them and that I was giving to situations. You know, like um, what I learned here is that it doesn't matter if you feel anxious and you feel fearful and you're not in a good space, that if you go to a function or you are around family or you're around friends, see what you can take, see what you can give, see what you can do. That's about the changes in life. I was thinking, driving here, about um, gratitude. And, you know, I, again, in the disease, I was not able to see the good things around me. I didn't see anything good about my childhood. Um, you know, I had children, a house, husband, and I complained a lot. You know, I really, I really, really did. Um, and you know things weren't easy but what started happening was that I started seeing things lots and lots of problems and not lots of solutions and I can still have some of those same I do have lots of problems I mean coming into recovery doesn't mean that everything is, is you know resolved and that you go through life and you don't have problems. It's about daily things come up, but actually I don't have to be that negative person and just see all the problems. I still I, I get to see things that I can be grateful for. Do you know one of the silliest things that I feel grateful for? <laughs> and it probably sounds silly saying this, but you know when I when I sit down and have a pee, <laughs> do you know I think, oh my God, how lucky am I that I can actually just sit down on this toilet and do this? I re honestly, I really do. Because some people actually can't. You know, some people actually cannot just sit down on the toilet and have a pee. I, I actually think like that. So, you know, I would not have... If you could just have... You know how many times you go to the toilet during the day, but every time you sit on that toilet that you're feeling grateful, that's way more than what you know I did way back when I had the disease. And the other thing that I always that always comes to mind and I always feel grateful for and I always say to Lou is, you know, at night time, and especially, you know, in the winter. Aren't we lucky? And I just all the time feel very, very grateful for having a house, being warm. You know, like I went to the city mission today and I went to pick up a food parcel for someone and while I'm waiting there, these cars pulling in and they're picking up food parcels. And, you know, I don't want to be judgmental, but one young girl, you know, they're lovely there at the city mission and I started feeling emotional just standing there watching cars pulling in and the great work that the people at the city mission do and um, they're so friendly and they're so kind and they're handing out the food parcels and this one girl that um, you know was taking the boxes you know she didn't even say she didn't even say thank you she didn't smile you know and I don't believe it was 
through embarrassment or anything. But actually, it's just not something to say thank you for. And, um, you know, I said to him, thanked him, you know, for, you know, the work that they did. But I really just, I, I thought, when I finish working, that's what I want to give of myself, you know, is to do the work. And I, I would love to work in the city mission and try and help people, you know, for nothing. If I won Lotto, that's what I would you know, I, I could see myself doing that sort of stuff. And, you know, I just felt emotional. And I'm thinking, oh, is it just because I'm actually tired today? But no, nah, it's just because I'm human. When I sat down here tonight and I looked around, I started to get emotional again. And it was because I, I looked around and I thought, um, and I felt friends, you know, like, friends in a fellowship, that it doesn't matter what I talk about and what I go through, that everybody here knows, you know. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of things to be grateful for and just the simplest, simplest things. Um, I felt like life was very, very hard and a lot of doom and gloom. Um, when I think about this disease and my own experience and working, you know, now working with a lot of people that have addiction and trauma, it is a, such a hard, hard life to live. And, you know, I don't want to forget that, you know, there weren't days in between where I didn't, where I had days where I didn't have that struggle of not eating, um, trying to burn off calories, um, on and off the scales, very self-conscious about body, moods all over the place, because it is so far away from that. Like I came into these meetings not. not knowing that there was an answer here and seeing it in other people. And, you know, I came for a, a good couple of years and had very a very, very brief time where I was able to work, eat on a food plan. And I thought that I, I thought I had it, you know. Well, I, I don't know what I thought. I think I, I had a period of about four months where I was eating on a food plan. And... You know, I don't know, well, nothing happened, but I ended up eating again. And, you know, I continued to eat for a good couple of years. And I used to come into meetings and, you know, I would drive to meetings. And I would have been eating all day. You know, drive to meetings and I'd get halfway, I'd get into Papua Nui and I was coming from North Canterbury. And I'd turn my car around thinking, I cannot go to a meeting, that is too embarrassing. And I'd think, you don't have anywhere else to go. And I'd turn the car around and I'd start driving back to the meeting. And I'd be thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have to say that I'm eating. And I just wanted to shrivel under the chair because I didn't want to say, I thought people were going to think, you are so useless, that you can't get this program, that you can't stop eating. And I didn't want to tell people that, um, you know, I'd been eating again. I sat in the meetings, but I, you know, it was encouraged that I actually had to share that. 
and you know, so I did, and um, you know, that continued for such a long time. I, you know, I was, I thought I was one of the poor unfortunates that Kay always mentioned, you know, in the big book. I thought I'm a, one of those poor unfortunates that's never going to get this program. And I used to cry because I would be down on my knees every single morning praying to get through the day without eating. And I couldn't. I actually couldn't. And my eating usually started in the afternoon. But as time went on, it started in the morning, you know, and a good day for me would have been if I didn't have breakfast and I walked the kids to school and the whole time I walked them to school I'd be thinking about the calories I'd be burning off. And, you know, every day it was just the same old thing. So when I'd been eating, you know, that anger I took out on my children because I was so hopeless like I just ended up having no no hope and it was just I just felt so angry and um, but I remember <clears throat> I remember just keeping on coming to meetings and I think I was coming to four meetings you know I had I had little kids I, I had brought a baby to meetings and um, you know there was a period of time before I had him that I was on a food plan and I remember going home from a meeting, you know, getting home about half past nine, and then um, Leonie was away, and I was talking to, ringing Kay, and I remember leaving the meeting, and that night by midnight I had a baby. And um, I rang Kay the next day and says, well, I've got the baby, <laughs> which was a little bit of disbelief. <laughs> I was eating by that afternoon. You know, I just could not not eat and um, it wasn't because I had a baby it was because I had this disease of addiction and um, you know it was more eating and you know god what a hell place to be in you know and you know being pregnant when you're so body conscious is um, not a good mix either so you know after coming here for a couple of years the last time that I remember having the obsession to eat was when my children were little and I can still, I can picture it so clearly that we had an open plan living house and I was in the kitchen, three children um, you know, running around making noises, playing, fighting and um, it was just like this tunnel vision. And all I could, what I relate it to is when I was on the oxygen having kids <laughs> and you're so spaced out that it, when people talk it goes wah, 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 wah in the background. And um, that's exactly what it was like, just that tunnel vision and you could hear their mumbled voices like, you know, little space talk, you know, in the background. And I wanted that food so bad that was on the bench and I... I was crying because my body and I wanted it so much and for the first time I kind of seen my life flash before me that things were not going to change and things were not going to get better. You know, every day arguing with um, Wayne, arguing with the kids, 
having them crying, you know, it was just that snap where you get so angry where I was throwing things and, you know, it was just awful. And that was the first time that I could kind of see that things were just not going to change. And I'd heard people talk about um, wanting not to eat more than what you wanted to eat. And that's what happened. And I didn't eat. And I rung my sponsor. And, um, you know, I hadn't had that obsession to eat again. It was there the day before. It was there right at that point. Right at that point I had the obsession really, really bad. And I didn't eat. And from the moment, that moment, when that obsession passed, you know, I haven't had that back again. And that's, you know, God, that is such a miracle. You know, that is, really, really is a miracle, something that I could not control on my own. I absolutely get, you know, it talks in the big book about being beyond, you know, um, God, does it say? Beyond human aid, yeah, beyond human aid, because I knew that I wasn't, you know, I, I knew that I was, and that the only way, I didn't know for me that a higher power was going to remove that obsession, but I knew that, you know, people that were coming into meetings after me, and everybody, most people that were in meetings, had had that obsession removed, so I knew it worked for others, but I thought it wasn't going to work for me. And I remember going to meetings after that and being so fearful that at any minute I was going to get that obsession back and that I'd end up eating again because I just did not want to go back to that hell of what it was like. Even the hard days, you know, still had, I've had lots of hard days. <laughs> um, even the hardest, hardest, hardest days in recovery, never have a patch on what those days are like, eating and struggling and not having a solution. So I feel, you know, just really, really, really lucky that I found, I found all you people and heard your stories and wanted it, you know, like I just really, really want recovery. Um, yeah. You know, every day brings about you know more acceptance in life and more acceptance on life's turns and people around me and um, you know it's nothing new to. Um, you know, I still go through you know, really hard times with, with Jacob and being able to accept, you know, where things are for him. You know, it's always, you know, I need, I am learning that actually I need to accept that actually I, I'm, I can be, you know, I can be upset. I'm a mother. You know, I actually don't have to be anyone that I'm not. And I'm a mother who actually gets heartbroken, like most parents do. Where I need the acceptance to come and 
what I'm realizing more and more is the acceptance around that he might actually not get well, that he might not get better, you know, and that actually he is where he is and that is how, how it is. And <clears throat> you know, I've tried to let to let him go, you know, and letting go is, is the answer and relying on a higher power. I picture wrapping him wrapping Jacob up and you know carrying him you know that kind of that thing safety and I don't know I don't actually know what's going to happen but I have lots of days where I don't that doesn't come to my mind like naturally I've got to try and think about that and sometimes that's through tears you know and and no one wants to think that they're well, see their boy homeless and walking around the streets. You know, it's, it's a bloody hideous disease when you see the depths of where it actually takes people, you know, and still possibly not wanting, well, not wanting help and choosing more than actually just sleeping on the streets. You know, I just... You know, it could have been any any one of us. I, I thank God that actually my substance is not anything like meth. Because, you know, it's a, any any sort of drugs and substance is awful, but that meth is absolutely it's awful. And even without meth, the same thing would be happening. But yeah, to get myself to a place, you know, over the last couple of weeks, every time I've thought about him, and every time I've felt sad. I've had to whistle, you know, and I'm not a good whistler. And it probably <laughs> looks really bad when people are driving past with me with my puckered lips. <laughs> but I have to whistle. And I whistle, just one, you know, and it takes my thinking away from thinking because it brings me back to the now and it makes me concentrate on this really awful noise. And I did try and learn the bagpipes, but this whistling is worse than those bagpipes. <laughs> but you know, it actually works. And um, it brings me back to, to focus and it draws my weepy eyes. And um, you know, I just refocus and get on with what I'm doing. And the other thing that I um, learned very early on when I um, is that as soon as I start helping someone else, I forget about myself. And that's exactly what I do. Just put the next foot forward, what I've learned here, um, focus on helping somebody else, and what do you know? Another hour's gone, and another hour's gone where actually I'm not thinking about how sad things are. And that's all I can do. And that, to me, is just accepting that, you know, it's going to be sad, but actually, next foot in front of the other, you'll be right, you'll get through the day head on the pillow, another day, and another day away. So, yeah, a lot to be grateful for, and um, especially this fellowship. And I've talked way too long because we're um, only an hour this meeting. Thank you.